Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here as always with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Well, Father Stephen, coming off of our uh, break over the Thanksgiving holidays, I thought we'd turn our attention to something festive. Um, we've heard people, maybe we ourselves, have described liturgical traditions like ours in the Anglican Church as smells and bells. That's the colloquial <laughs> expression. Um, and we've done an episode on smells, but we've not talked yet about bells. So We must correct this oversight. Absolutely. So let's talk about bells. Um, and also, you know, when we say smells and bells, where are the bells? Where, which bells are we talking about here? And uh, what exactly is their purpose in the liturgy? You know, where do they come from? And why is it that, you know, some churches use them and some churches don't? Okay. Well, a good place to start out is that we, when we talk about bells, Everyone's familiar with outside church bells, right? We've all heard church bells ring. But what we're both familiar with is some churches, like Roman Catholic churches, do actually have bells in their service. Mm. They're actually handheld bells, typically, that an acolyte, you know, altar server, will ring at certain times during the celebration. So we can talk about both internal and external bells. So we've got inside bells and outside bells. That's right. So and like inside voice and outside voice when you have kids. And just like, uh, just in case some of our listeners don't know this, that, yeah, when we're talking about church bells, we're often talking about like in a, in a church building, there'll be, you know, a bell tower or something uh, with a, with a big old bell that you can hear, you know, for all the way down the street. Right. So, right. And then inside we've got other kinds of bells. So let's talk about the uh, history here. Where do these come from? Well, they sort of come up gradually. The first, the one thing we know for sure is they were formally approved by Pope Sabian in the early, early 7th century. Now, some people try, when you still look at a lot of the biographies of Paulinus of Nola, when they give you these little biographical sketches, he's an early, he's an early church father and people, I should say too early, he was in the uh, 5th century. But nonetheless, uh, they would say, well, he's somehow associated with bells. Now, I was raised that way. I thought that was true. But in more recent research, uh, scholarship now thinks that actually what happened is Nola is one of two places in Italy that was famous for bell making. <laughs> oh, okay. And that people probably confuse Paulinus of Nola, since Nola would be on bells and things, is somehow connected with him. But the, the consensus now is that's probably not true. I see. So it wasn't, uh, you know, Paulinus of Nola establishing bells. It's that there are just a lot of bells in the place where Paulinus is from. They made bells there. <laughs> okay. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> Got it. I could see how he'd how he would get the uh, you know, the the bell taint on him at this point. So now originally came bells came from a very practical need. Bells were meant to tell people something was going on. This is particularly important in a world that doesn't have other types of communication and it doesn't have clocks. It becomes a very practical thing. What do you do if you have to get word out about something? Uh, for example, alerting to an event. How do you say Vikings are at the coast or something? Yeah. How do you get an event like this out? You need something to be heard for a long distance. And also, how can you tell people things about time? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. That's it's. It reminds me of I grew up in a little town where people still worked in the fields a lot in various ways, and every Tuesday uh, in um, at noon there was a big loud kind of klaxon that would ring. It sounded like you know, like an air raid siren or something like that. I don't know if it was just a hangover from when guys used to set their time by that, or if it was just testing out the system. But every single Tuesday they'd do that. Uh, so it's something similar there, right? That we've got, you know, right. help people to well, know when the middle of the day is, when various disasters are going on. Well, those of us who live in the Midwest have certainly heard tornado sirens, a tornado warning. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. Actually, that um, I believe that's a national thing in the United States. We have that in Illinois to this day. Yeah, yeah. Remember some of the recordings we did back in uh, St. Paul's House of Formation up in the tower? Oh, Remember Tuesday right. mornings at 10 a.m., right? Tuesday oh, yeah. morning at 8, 10 a.m. We'd get that loud siren every single time we had to. Mm-hmm. That's right. We had to edit that out. Okay, great. So that was that's the original purpose, right? To alert to right. event, timekeeping, that sort of thing. Okay. So when it came to church, people began to, how do we make sure people know it's time to have Eucharist? Because again, people don't have clocks. Etc. You know, they can sort of roughly, but looking just at the sun, you know, just looking at the sun and things when you're talking about something that's going to start at a regular time. So about 15 minutes before the service, they'd ring the bells. Yeah, yeah. Would give you everybody in the village enough time to get to church. Sure, sure. So for Eucharist and also at monasteries. Now you have these people out like Benedictine monasteries. Every three hours or so are praying the divine office. They're supposed to stop and pray together. Well, how in the world are you going to know when to break work like that? Mm. And so that's where you have the idea, especially monasteries, that bells going all the time. Every few hours, the bells would go off to tell the monks it was time for praying, praying together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of similar to how even Muslims to this day do it, right? You've got the call to right. prayer going out from those speakers, right? Right in the Middle East, right. Yeah, the the muezzin would be the one who'd come up. Instead of bells, they use the human voice from yeah. the top of a tower. Yeah. That's why we have bell towers. Is simply a cross. You could hear it from a from a farther distance if it's up in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the waves can go easily, more easily. Okay, so this is calling people to prayer to worship, to public worship. But it also came to be used in connection with some public announcements. One was deaths. There are traditionally in the, in the Western church three different times they'd ring the bell when people were dying. The priest had gone out to bring them the last sacraments. They would ring the, what's called the passing bell. Hmm. There's someone, you know, pray for them. Someone's on the point of dying. I see, yeah. Then when they actually de- uh, they actually died, at that moment, as soon as the news came, they'd ring the death the death knell. Oh, so that's what that's from, the death knell. Like The death knell means it's a public announcement that the person is no longer dying, they have died. I see, I see. I once heard a death knell. I mean, when Pope uh, Paul VI, the blessed memory, uh, died years ago, I was at the monastery we visited. At, um, I was just there visiting at uh, Holy Hill in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, it, in, in the afternoon, out of nowhere, it wasn't any liturgical time, suddenly the bell slowly began hmm. pealing, and I said, Someone's died. It must be a bishop or something like uh, this. It turned out it was, it was the Pope. Uh, I see. He certainly is a bishop, Bishop of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd have for a funeral, that's where you have the funeral tolling a bell. Mm. So you have the passing bell, the death knell, and the funeral toll. I see. So for <laughs> so at, when you were dying, the whole people would be alerted that someone is dying. Yeah. The priest was going to see them. Someone was dying. Death, uh, death knell is, okay, the person's gone. Mm. And then finally, the funeral toll was to announce to people the funeral procession. Okay, yeah, so that people are taking someone to bury them. 
Okay, so this is where you get the whole for whom the bell tolls kind for of thing. For whom the bell tolls. Yeah, yeah, okay. It tolls for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the the more the kind of regular timekeeping function. When would they ring bells for that? Well, in more recent times, Catholic churches ring them um, three times a day mm. uh, at 6 a.m., at noon, and at 6 p.m. And it's a very late custom. I'm starting to talk about 15th century of, of the Angelus, which is praying a special prayer about the angel giving Mary the greeting. Yeah. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived. Angelus Domine, Nunciabit Maria, is where you get Angelus from. And people would pray this prayer. As a matter of fact, there was a famous painting by Manet, is people praying the Angelus in the field. You have these peasants there, you know, with their with their uh, heads down, because and you see the the church tower off in the background. Yeah, and it's sort of tied in with the traditional three time a day Christian prayer for everybody. Remember the earliest church, Our Father, three times a day. But it, traditionally, to this day, at six a.m., six p.m., and noon would be the times you would ring. Um, if you're in Europe and things, if you hear bells, those are the times you'd expect to always hear bells. Okay, okay, I see. And then public announcements. Uh, again, uh, Vikings are coming, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, things like that, public announcements, or good news. I mean, that's why you'd end up getting more than one bell sometimes, because the combinations could tell you what the announcement was. Like the king just had a son, that kind of thing. You'd have the, you'd, the, you'd, you'd, you'd ring the bells, you know, in a spe- special way with the, the joy bells. You know, That's not a term, I mean, the bells for joy. Yeah. They would uh, you know, ring the bells out of joy, ring bells out of sadness, death of the king. Those kind, they would, a victory in battle would be celebrated by all the bells across the country ringing. As a matter of fact, at the end of the Second World War, when Rome was taken back from the Germans, they every bell, and that was something, every bell in Rome rang simultaneously for oh, this wow. wall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's, bells on the outside um but we're also when we talk smells and bells a lot of the time we're talking about the bells on the inside that are used i think almost exclusively I yeah mean, everybody, <laughs> you know even a baptist doesn't think a uh, hard rock baptist doesn't think too much of having a bell you know in the tower sure sure for weddings and things you know tell good news but you know you start having little bells in the church and things, you get something <laughs> watch what's going on you start ringing things inside you're like whoa whoa, whoa. okay so so what's happening there? Let's talk about uh, what kind of bells are you going to encounter on the inside of the sanctuary? Well, you had three different types of bells you could encounter on the inside, okay? The first was the entrance bells. I remember this as a, as a, as a young altar boy, is that they didn't used to have the procession. People used to come in from the side. The priest wore a head-weary vest. He'd come in directly from the side with the altar boys, you know, to serve the Eucharist. And so you had to tell people out in a big church or something that, hey, we started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it weren't uh, with you know in the Catholic world, it's called the high mass where you had this music and things. But normally it was all it was called a, a a recited mass and things. But you know the idea when you see these churches, you'll still see them uh, where they just simply start by ringing a little bell at the door to the sacristy to say, "Hey, the priest is coming out. We're about to start. Everybody stand up." Hmm. That's more a Catholic uh, type of thing you would see because we uh, you know would be more as good Protestants, you know, in the sense of being non-Roman Christians in the West, is we tended to use hymns more from the very beginning. Okay, yeah. But these folks would have, so if you see a Catholic church, you'll still see an old church as you see bells right there at this thing, and the bells were just, you just ring the bells, and they'd have several bells that'll go ding, 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 you know, <laughs> together saying, hey, stand up, we're, we're starting. So, yeah, so are these kind of like the little racks of bells that would all kind of ring at the same time? Right. Like, kind of but looks these like would a- actually hung up. 
Okay, I see. You'd actually pull a cord, but it's the same thing. It's it's just hung up a little bit over your head. Okay. So everybody yeah. could hear that, hey, folks, we've started. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Okay, so it's the, we've started bells, so what about the other ones? I was at a mass actually recently where, you know, in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the, the scripture readings and at certain points in the Eucharist, we would have some bells ringing. So what's going on there? Well, those are called altar bells, and those are held by hand by the altar, altar server, the acolyte. And typically, there are multiple bells in a single little grouping. You ring it, it sounds like a whole bunch of little bells ringing, like sleigh yeah. bells, frankly. It sounds like sleigh bells, a little heavier. And this was used, they don't use them, though, at the, um, in the Liturgy of the Word. It's used in the Liturgy of the Table. Mm, okay. And traditionally, it was the three key moments, three great moments where things were changing to warn people. Again, remember those great cathedrals, and they often had rude screens, these big things separating the, the front from the back of the cathedral. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and people didn't know what was going on sometimes. <laughs> and so what they would do to tell people is the bells would tell you that you'd reached a critical moment. Okay, yeah. And one was when they say, holy, 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 as a server, you know, in Anglican churches, high, uh, you know, um, high church Anglican churches, Anglo-Catholic churches, you'll hear uh, bells go for each holy, 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 holy Lord. Mm. And as a way of telling everybody in the Middle Ages that, oh, we've started the Eucharistic prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because remember at that time, it kept on later, but at that time, the only people who were re- re- reacting to the priest were the altar boy. <laughs> yeah, he was the only one who could hear him. <laughs> Nobody else was, and it was Latin. People there were not, that was something, they were watching this, but they weren't actually actively participating like we do in our liturgy. Right, and the liturgy. and the priest, is he's got his back to the congregation anyway, right? Yeah. So, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So we tell them, and the second time would be with the consecration of the elements. And, you know, when the uh, when you the bread of the consecration, the bread of the consecration, the wine, is they would have ring three times for each one of those. Okay. Great. Okay. So and the third. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and so the third would be at the conclusion of the Eucharistic prayer, you have the great Amen. Although back in those days, it wasn't so great until very recently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but it was in his- <laughs> historically. But they would tell you because they would actually raise the chalice and the host. Okay. And at that time, you know, anytime you raise the chalice of the host, they would ring the bells and that would be three times. So those are the classic three times that, you know, everybody would do. There are some other local variants, but every time is the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, which is the holy, holy, holy. It'd be at the moment where, um, uh, you know, where we had the um, consecration of the elements. This is my body given for you. Do this, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd always do it at the um, at the close, at the Amen, at basically by him, with him, and in him. You'd say Amen. You'd ring by him. Actually, the ring bells would typically by him ring, with him ring, in him ring. Okay. <laughs> it, and sometimes I've seen Anglican churches that have it at the epiclesis. Okay. Yeah. Send your spirit upon these gifts. Okay. And make them for us. I've seen, I've heard them, I should say, done at that time too. So this is for the folks in the back, right? Just letting them know that something important, like where you almost like marking time, but inside the Eucharistic prayer. And it came, that was the original reason. But the reason people came to love it, it came to be a way of celebrating a special moment. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, you know, when people get perfectly say, they still, you know, the, the point was that it would seem a moment way of celebrating these beautiful bells ringing because that's why they had the groupings of bells and things, a, a sort of mini celebration, like ringing the bells. Okay, so are those all the bells we're going to be hearing in service or is there another one? No, there's a third one that can be confusing because we talked about these hand bells, you know, these all we call altar bells that are held by hand by the acolyte. Right. And he rings those at the Sanctus. 
But sometime what would happen is in small communities, they wanted everybody to hear uh, that moment. So they'd hang a big heavy bell inside the church, often in a little mini tower right above the altar. Mm-hmm. And they just pulled the, they would pull the cord and that was called a Sanctus bell. So it's not a, believe me, it's not a handheld thing. It's a pretty, <laughs> okay. it's a, you know, it's, let's say like a, we have one at our cathedral that we acquired that's like a foot high. Yeah. Okay. There's no way you could hold that thing. It's really, really heavy. It makes this glorious sound. It's really a heavy ring to the bell. Nice. And you could use that. And what they do is they'd hang it up somewhere in the sacrist, in the sanctuary rather, you know, up in the front. And typically at the Sanctus, they would ring it. And sometimes at the other things, but always, you know, like at the Sanctus or at the um, at the uh, consecration, they would ring the bell so everybody in the village could hear. You know, it really uh, would stand out. Mm. So sometimes if you get a really loud bell, a big bell like that, it's not the regular one. So you have the little ones that you have at the entranceway sometimes. You'll see those at some Anglican churches too, where yeah. the priest would just come directly in from the side instead of making a procession. In that case, those are the entrance bells. Then you have these handheld bells that you'd ring at the Sanctus, at the Holy, Holy, Holy. You'd ring at the Consecration, sometimes at the Epiclesis, and then at the end, you know, the right before the Great Amen. And the third was some churches, and this was just wanted a bigger bell for the highlight, you know, that could really ring this almost, almost like an outdoor bell inside, but smaller, a really big league bell. And that was called a Sanctus bell. Okay. Go figure, that's just a name they used for it, but it was called the Sanctus Bell. Yeah, yeah. It typically wouldn't be rang all those times, it rung all those times, rather. It would be rung for like one of those times. Okay. The idea was that everybody nearby could hear it too. Yeah. I see, I see. So that connects the inside, what's going on inside the service with, with outside. You can. In some churches, you'll actually see a little mini tower if you look at older churches. Uh huh. There'll be a little mini tower in the back that has the Sanctus Bell. And it's right, it'll be right where the altar was. So the, the, the altar server could grab it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it could actually be sort of a semi-outside out, bell, but it'd be smaller. The really big bells, you have to go up the bell tower. Okay. So, you know, we know that we have a lot of liturgical changes throughout the year and certain things are, you know, withheld and replaced and everything. Are, are we ever, is there ever, ever any time, like maybe during Lent or something that we're, we're not hearing bells or we withhold them? Yeah, is traditionally people didn't use bells during Lent. And so one of the things on, that began the great Easter Triduum would be the celebration of the first time you'd hear bells since the beginning of Lent. All the bells would ring. And so, um, you know, like we sometimes, you see that like the, the holy noise and things on yeah. the Easter vigil. Uh, but back, uh, it was more typical to do it on Holy Thursday would be the mark the end of Lent and the beginning of the great three days. But the point would be, what do you do during Lent? Because you still have those times. And what they would use, it's funny, it was like a paddle with a hammer on it. Uh-huh. It has a nice Latin term, crotalis. Doesn't that sound great? If you know yeah. Latin, it's not so great. It's a kid's rattle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a rattle. Yeah. And so, but it's really funny. You have this, we would call it a knocker in English. You know, it'd be called a knocker. Uh, that's not the official name, but that's what they called it, a knocker. You know, right, right, right. Crotalis is the real word for it. And it would make a click, click. Bang, bang, you know, what, what, make a wood sound for me, Alex. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe <laughs> clap, 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 like that. Clap, 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 okay, clap, clap, yeah. clap, instead of ringing the bell. And it was to show that we weren't fully celebrating. We wanted to mark the thing, but we were going to keep the bells until we hit Easter. So it's kind of ha- like a blocky sort of alternative to the, you know, sonorous It's a, it's a sound of yeah. wood against wood. Instead yeah. of metal against metal, it's wood against wood. Like that. It actually sounds yeah. sort of neat, but it's um, you also find them in monasteries. They're often used in the morning, uh, every morning, whether it's Lent or not, to wake people up. 
Okay, <laughs> man. They'll actually, be... no, they go with the sound. It's unmistakable if you've heard one of these things. We loved using them in Lent. <laughs> uh, if you heard one of these things, though, they'll go up and down the corridors, the monastery, making this 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 sound, click, 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 wood against wood, you know, yeah. going down, yeah. saying, you know. Man, we should have thought ahead. We, I mean, this this is a an, an audio medium, right? So we could have we could have rung some of these things if we wanted to, and maybe you know, next time. <laughs> next <laughs> but, time, I tell you. But that's great. So so people had fun in Lent with the uh, with the rattles there. But um, yeah, yeah, if you're an altar boy, the the rattles were the way to go. <laughs> I mean, anybody could. Ring. Although the bells were always fun. I mean, uh-huh. the bells were uh-huh. always. We would among altar servers would be real disputes if we got to ring the bells. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, different positions. But who get the bells? Because there were always a minimum of two servers, and only one could ring the bells, and so you'd have to get the lucky winner. Sure. So to sum up, it, it sounds like your the the you know tradition of bells has very practical origins where people need to mark time and and mark important events. But this is just kind of stuck around. Is that fair to say? Because it changes what started out practically became something much more. It became like, can you imagine weddings without bells and things? Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's a way of saying it's how we celebrate. In some way, we do something special to celebrate, and that's what why we kept bells. We said we just like them because they really are just a way of doing something special. Yeah. And they sound nice, and people would be very proud of the bells ringing out. And if in, in Europe and you hear the, even a small town, I mean, Sunday morning when they when they have all the bells ringing, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've said this before, but I've always, that's one of the things I like about our liturgical tradition is that you know, people have this tendency to take something that is simply expedient, but then invest it with meaning, you know, make it part of the, make it beautiful, you know, uh, attach once, you know, uh, make an attachment with the beauty of the thing and invest it with, with, with meaning. And that's, that's not something we, we resist. That's something we, we lean into. And it, it fits in beautifully with the very nature of the word church. We say church comes from, you know, the word we use in, in Greek and Latin, ecclesia, in Greek and Latin, and that means ex, out of, called, you know, uh, called out, the people who've been called out. So the idea of the bells ringing to call people to church mm, is yeah. so beautifully, sacramentally emblematic of, you know, God calls us into the into the community, you know, calls us together, brings us from, from all these different places, brings us together. So the idea of, you know, calling together, convocation, you know, through the ringing of the bells. So I would say it's basically, it starts with a very practical origin, a world without clocks, you know, a very practical use originally to tell people what's going on in bigger churches and things without sound systems and the like, so people could not miss something, know where they are. And the incidental beauty, again, long outlasts them, you know, and again, a classic thing when it comes like, especially internal bells, the classic Anglican view is all may, some should, none must. Right, right, right. This isn't a requirement, but it's something Oh, no, no, no. Really it's completely accustomed. Good. You know, no one says you have to put up a Christmas tree. But for a lot of us, it wouldn't be quite be Christmas without the tree. Well, in my house, it's kind of a requirement, yeah, so... All right, well, thanks so much, Father Stephen. Thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.